Welcome to the special Halloween weekend edition of False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news roundup that goes over all of the horror stories uh, published by the mainstream media and the larger horror story that is the mainstream media. We break it all down for you so you don't have to bother getting depressed by watching any other news any, uh, anywhere else. I'm Kevin Barrett with J. Michael Springman. Hey, welcome, J. Mike. How's it going? It's wonderful. Great to be here. I've got my Halloween pumpkin-colored shirt on for the occasion. Oh, yeah, you, you do look sort of like a pumpkin, uh, although your head is a weird-looking pumpkin stem, I'll say that. <laughs> uh, so, okay, let's get going here. What do we have this week? We have our first our disclaimers. Uh, we question things here. We're a news uh, criticism show. We critique the news, and we question everything they're telling us. We question the people who are telling it to us. So if you can't handle questions, turn the knob, except there aren't any knobs anymore. So click the mouse or whatever you do to go somewhere else. Warning! This video is extremely disturbing because what's going on in this world is extremely disturbing. So, again, if you can't handle it, go to a different world where everything is nice, cozy, and cuddly and full of Teletubbies. Okay, there's any more disclaimers here. Yeah, mental health disclaimer. If you're suffering mental health issues, you definitely should not be watching this show, much less the mainstream media. You should probably be uh, meditating or uh, taking alternative remedies that we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube. Okay, done with our disclaimers. Our show this week is a special Halloween show. In our top story, Anthony Fauci has announced that the CDC, in a joint project with DHS, CIA, NSA, LSD, PCP, and other three-letter agencies, will be sending ghouls, goblins, witches, zombies, orcs, and other unpleasant creatures door-to-door to vax people. The CDC has also announced that it will be providing apples with vaccine needles in them to pro-vaccine activists who wish to trick neighborhood children into accidentally injecting themselves with experimental gene therapy. It's the night of the living vaxxed! Legions of brainwashed undead are roaming around shrieking, must eat unvaxxed brains. So stock up on silver bullets and wooden stakes or whatever it is that works best against these monsters, according to the latest peer-reviewed studies financed by Pfizer, Moderna, and the Anthony and Melinda Fauci Bat Coronavirus Gain of Function Foundation. So as the saying goes, trust the psyops, I mean the science. All right, so that's our uh, our, our intro today. Uh, PSAs, Global Conference on Terror False Flags coming up tomorrow. I will be speaking at that conference along with Richard Gage, Laurent Guyanot, Feroz Mithiborwala, and it'll be hosted by the wonderful Bonnie Faulkner. So that should be fun. Don't miss it. That's tomorrow. I think it's like 10 a.m., 11 a.m. in the morning central where I am. And so go to noliesradio.org and you'll find out where to watch it. And any more uh, PSAs? Well, actually, Mike, we have some calls to action. We have worldwide walkouts coming up on November 3rd. So this is these are freedom walkouts of the kind that that Cat McGuire has been organizing in New York. This is uh, pushed by RFK Jr. Uh, and they're actually advocating some dubious stuff here, Mike. They're pointing out that French citizens are storming stores that enforce vaccine passports and filling up their shopping carts and then leaving them right before checkout. But we're walking out. That's not very nice. But I guess asking for people's vaccine papers, please, isn't very nice either. No, it's not. I, I, I think instead of walkouts, we ought to have walk-ins where you storm the uh, the shop or the whatever the venue is. Uh, I know here in Washington, the giant food chain has rent-a-cops at the door to ensure that you're wearing a muzzle as you go in. So if you had 30 or 40 people walking into the store, they, that might overwhelm the, uh, the lone rent-a-cop. So uh, I, I think the Europeans are doing it. Uh, Certainly, the uh, it's torture in Germany. I was told by a contact there that you need vax papers to buy groceries. She's unvaxed, has a small child, and her husband is in Saudi Arabia. So what is she supposed to do? Starve? Yeah, this this is completely crazy. I mean, this is your brain on vaccines. Let's uh, let's mm-hmm. uh, eliminate all the unvaxed people by making sure they can't buy groceries. Totally nuts. I mean, I would really rather not be viciously, you know, making fun. Of, of vaxxed people because I have a lot of vaxxed friends, including our producer, Alan Reese, who's quite, you know, and I'm, I don't even think that he was necessarily all that crazy to take the vaccine at his age and stuff. I mean, that's, you know, if you're getting around retirement age, who knows what the odds really are because we don't know all of the information that we should know about these things. So we should all be happily holding hands, the vaxxed and the unvaxxed and smiling and stuff. But 
I mean, they're coming for us. The, uh, the, the uh, you know, they're being turned into a legion of undead zombies uh, who are trying to make life impossible for those of us who would like to be in the control group. It's uh, it's crazy. So I think these worldwide walkouts are a great idea, whether or not people are are messing with their local stores. Uh, and then we have another call to action here. This is the CDC Don't Experiment on Children action uh, that Toby Rogers is pushing at his Substack. The CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, or ACIP, will be reviewing Pfizer's application, the emergency use application for kids 5 to 11 at its meeting on November 2nd. So if you go to this tobyrogers.substack.com and uh, check out where you can complain to the relevant authorities about this, maybe we can save the children, as it were, because clearly these little kids are not in serious danger from COVID. Uh, undoubtedly, there's more problem, uh, more potential problems from the vaccine than for co- from COVID for that age group. I mean, that's not, shouldn't even be controversial. So, uh, so okay, those are our, our uh, calls to action. And now let's get going on the super controversial part of the show, the stuff you're not allowed to talk about on YouTube. And here's proof you're not allowed to talk. Wait a minute. You are allowed to talk about it. My appeal to YouTube was successful. We're back. We're, we're going to broadcast on YouTube in a couple more stories down the list because these stories that we're coming up on are stories that YouTube will uh, get all upset about because they talk about medical issues that you're not supposed to talk about. But we, we were really careful not to talk about those issues on YouTube. And I pointed that out in my appeal. And apparently a real human being read my appeal and recognized there had been an AI error. So somehow we're still up on YouTube. And uh, it, is that a divine miracle, proof of the existence of God, Mike, that we're actually still going to broadcast on YouTube? I think so, given the fact that these these strange people control all of these social media outlets uh, and uh, put you in Facebook jail or uh, wipe out your connection to Twitter or YouTube or whatever the case may be, uh, it's obviously uh, coordinated, planned, and you have things you cannot say because you offend a certain minority group or you offend the uh, uh, the. Uh, issue of uh, the need for vaxxing and uh, how the unfaxed are, are deadly to your health and so forth. So uh, I think that uh, something's got to be done about these characters. And, and so the, the actual rule at YouTube says you're not supposed to explicitly dispute World Health Organization guidance about COVID or anything related to it. And so what we do is we make sure that we don't do that or anything remotely close to it during the YouTube portion of the broadcast. But since we're still in the Rumble portion of the broadcast, and if you want to see this whole show, keep watching it on Rumble, which is probably what you're doing if you're watching this part right now. Uh, let's let's go to the controversial stories that are too hot for YouTube. Uh, first, the controversy over vaccinating 5 to 11-year-olds. Here's the story from Children's Health Defense that they don't want you to read and they don't want us to talk about. Because, well, I mean, there's just not a very good case for vaccinating these kids because the vaccines are not doing a very good job against transmission as the aggregate statistics, countrywide statistics of heavily vaxxed versus the not heavily vaxxed countries show that the not heavily vaxxed countries actually are doing better, slightly better. Uh, same with U.S. counties. And it's just absolutely clear that we're not going to stop transmission of this virus through mass vaccination at all. And that's the only real argument for vaccinating kids is to make sure they don't keep the virus going and, you know, try to totally stamp it out and eliminate it. It doesn't look like that's possible. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. It looks like the the variants are going to keep one step ahead of the vaccine. So there's really no good argument for this. And it sure looks like there's going to be a lot more harm than good done by this. So this, what I just said, of course, is what you're not allowed to say on YouTube, but I still think that's a reasonable interpretation of the scientific data. Uh, what do you think? Oh, yes, indeed. The, in fact, the Washington Post today has a lead article on how wonderful these shots are. Uh, and then you turn to the inside and, and continue reading. And, oh, gee, 27% say they're going to get their kids vaxxed. A third say, no, we're not going to do it. And another third said, well, we'll think about it. We haven't made a decision yet. Uh, so uh, you, you read the uh, uh, further into the article and it's, oh, well, yeah, there's this heart swelling, this myocarditis. It's, uh, uh, it's not really serious. It's easily treatable. It's just an inflammation of the heart muscle. Uh, don't worry about it. And uh, I've only got one heart and uh, you can't change it out for a spare like you can the spark plugs in your car and still keep running. Uh, 
So I, I think this is nonsense and dangerous, and uh, it, it violates uh, people's uh, ability to participate in society. But just last week, Biden announced that your tax money has already purchased 68 million doses of pediatric vaccines. So it looks like the fix is in. So we need a real uh, ground groundswell outpouring of outrage uh, to stop this. And once again, that Toby Rogers substack that we just mentioned is the place to do that. Well, here's another controversial story. And this one, I think you actually could accuse of possibly getting some medical misinformation into the mix. Uh, I had Joel Hirshhorn on my show, and he's, he's a smart guy. He's a Ph.D. metallurgical engineer. Um, I talked him into looking into 9-11, and he ended up writing a 9-11 Truth Manifesto because he, he looked at the demolitions of the Trade Center and admitted that, obviously, these were demolitions. So Joel Hirshhorn's a smart guy. And in this article, though, this came out, he published this right after he was on my show. I think he may be exaggerating the case in saying that there could be nearly 2 million dead Americans uh, from vaccines, infections, and collateral impacts. I don't think his math quite adds up here. So I, I corresponded with him a little bit on this, and, uh, and, and he and I are going to have to agree to disagree. But it's still, I think people should be able to look at his arguments and break them down and try to figure out whether they're right or not. Um, YouTube doesn't agree, and that's why we're not on YouTube yet. Well, that's a, you know, an involved article with, with, uh, percentages in this. You'd almost need to be a mathematician. Uh, but is, is was it Disraeli who said, uh, there are lies, damned lies and statistics. Uh, but you, you really got to look at this and, uh, they will blame uh, death from the, uh, the virus on anything. Uh, one guy died in a motorcycle crash, but he didn't die of injuries in the crash. He died of the, uh, the, the virus and, um, Ralph McGee, the former CIA clandestine service officer who'd been in a nursing home for the last 10 or 15 years and who told me, uh, I guess maybe half a dozen years ago uh, over the phone that uh, he was in the home. He really couldn't uh, help me with research for my book on visas for Al-Qaeda. He's pretty much sick. He's tired. Uh, he's not well. Uh, and he died at the age of 92. And the uh, the obituary said he died of the the virus. So I, I think that you got to look at this. You've got to see, well, did he die because he was afraid to go to the hospital or the doctor for medical treatment for fear of breathing a virus uh, on the street or in the uh, the waiting room? Uh, did he die uh, as a result of uh, being cooped up in the house and being unable to get medicine? Uh, did he die of this? Did he die of that? Uh, and was it really related to the virus? So I, I think that uh, being short of food, being out of a job, uh, being forced into taking drugs or uh, uh, violence against your spouse or whatever, I think uh, also adds to uh, the uh, unusual number of deaths after the uh, the virus started. So I, I think you got to look closely at this and uh, separate the wheat from the chaff. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, the, I'm not disputing uh, Hirshhorn or others who point out that um, when we look at the total excess deaths number, which in the United States may be in the, somewhere in the neighborhood of three quarters of a million people, uh, some would say as high as a million, that a considerable fraction of that undoubtedly is not directly due to COVID. It's due to all these other things that you mentioned. That's undoubtedly true. Uh, but is get, getting the whole number up to two million, that's what I, I really doubt. Uh, I, I mean, it's always possible. I, when I corresponded with Joel Hirshhorn, he said that he doesn't trust the official excess death numbers. So, okay, uh, that's, that's possible, but, uh, I kind of doubt it. I'm putting, uh, the way I would add all this up is, is that I don't think the discrepancies are as big as he thinks they are, but people should be allowed to look at this information and try to figure out whether it's true or not. Otherwise, how are we going to come to any kind of truth if we can't have a free and open discussion that includes people like Joel Hirschhorn who are quite bright and good with numbers? So anyway, I think this is, uh, okay, this is where we can start with the YouTube broadcast or very soon as we move to Joel Hirschhorn's op-ed in the Washington Post. Actually, it's a letter to the editor, but it, it's published as if it looks, sure looks like an op-ed. Uh, it's amazing that this guy who was on my radio show saying these things that even I find a little out there uh, is able to get this op-ed published in the Washington Post. But that's because what he's arguing in the op-ed is actually not very extreme at all, even by mainstream standards. He's pointing out that 
hey, why can't we be using these antibody tests, which, of course, will find people who have natural immunity, who then should be considered to be about equally, if not more protected than the vaccinated people based on all of the scientific evidence. So even the Washington Post doesn't find that to be medical misinformation. And I certainly hope that YouTube doesn't either. Well, the Washington Post uh, doesn't like to print anything at all that's uh, critical of the established way of doing things. I tried to put an op-ed in on uh, problems getting a simple prescription from MedStar's Georgetown University Hospital for months, and the Post wouldn't print it. So uh, uh, he's lucky to have gotten his piece into the paper. I'll say, yeah, they must not have Googled him. (laughs) Or maybe somebody at the Post is a fan of my radio show and they heard him and they said, Mm. hey, let's uh, do a little prank on the management here and put this guy's letter in the paper. Anyway, uh, kudos to Joel for sneaking past the gatekeepers at the Washington Post. All right, let's move into the Halloween news, the this is your brain on vaccine section of the program. So, hey, you vaccine skeptics, you better lock yourselves up in your homes and bar the door because the vaccine zombies are coming to eat your brains. And one of the scariest vaccine zombies is the monster here who vaguely resembles the decomposing corpse of Noam Chomsky. (laughs) Wait a minute. That is Noam Chomsky. (laughs) You know, I used to frighten people with my Dick Cheney mask, but who would have guessed that Noam Chomsky would become almost equally monstrous? Here he is basically calling for genocide of the unvaxxed. Lock him up and how do they get food? Well, that's their problem. That sounds almost like what the Nazis did, uh, you know, there's some folks who think that the starving the people in the camps was actually that killed. They died of starvation more than anything else. But um, I guess we could just starve them in their own homes and it would be just as effective. Chomsky, what's what's got into your brain? This, did he get vaxxed, you know, one too many boosters or something and mutate into a, a zombie? Uh, oops, I shouldn't have said that. That could be construed as medical misinformation if you didn't understand that it was a joke. And the AI algorithms don't have a very good sense of humor. I better watch myself. Mike, you take over. Okay, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, vax man. <laughs> oh, man. No, seriously, Chomsky used to be anti-establishment. He used to, he used to critique the mainstream media. Uh, he used to poke uh, pins in the bubble of the zeitgeist. And here he is, like, leading the charge of, of the, the maniacs. Uh, what happened to this guy? I don't know. I mean, starving people? Uh, oh, you can't go out to get food? Well, you can't go in to get medical treatment. We're going to ration it. We're going to treat the people who are vaxxed and who are uh, having problems. But if uh, you're unvaxxed, well, that's your own lookout. Uh, die in, in place. You know, Chomsky, uh, I think that maybe he was always a little bit of a zombie. That's the thing. You know, I've had run-ins with him over 9-11 before, and, and people can look around on the Internet and find my, my email correspondence with him, uh, my presentation, uh, Why Chomsky is Wrong About 9-11 is still up on YouTube, last I checked. And uh, Tony Hall, Dr. Tony Hall, uh, who's been on False Flag Weekly News a number of times, and we'll probably have back at some point before too terribly long, hopefully, uh, he has a great series out on Chomsky and 9-11 as well. So chomsky he's been hideously wrong on, on the JFK assassination, on 9-11, and to some extent on Palestine. Uh, so, but even th- this is, this is like, even shocking to me that, that he would be, you know, saying something like this. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. never quite called for, for uh, mass murdering the 9-11 truthers. Uh, although at certain points he started to think he might. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Ch- let's get away from Chomsky. I can't stand to look at this guy's face for too long. So let's move on to, uh, uh <laughs> oh, this is a, a great story here by Helen Bynisky, another uh, old time false flag weekly news co-host. And she'd be another one I wouldn't mind having back at some point. Uh, great op-ed here in RT pointing out that, you know, when, when you can't eat Thanksgiving dinner with your family without getting permission from Tony Fauci, you're in pretty sad shape. So, so Mike, are, are you going to be asking permission about what you're allowed to eat on Thanksgiving and who you can eat it with from, from Tony? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not about to listen to him. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, he is the high priest of a false religion uh, who uh, seems to want more control over the American people than they, than he should have or anyone or anything should have. Uh, and I frankly will eat what I please and drink what I please and, and whatever amount I please. And uh, I will not think of him except nastily. Well, here's a special Thanksgiving message from Tony Fauci. As long as all of you are fully vaxxed, boosted, masked, distance-bound, gagged, and lobotomized, you are allowed to eat Thanksgiving dinner together. But if there are any anti-vaxxers in your family, 
eat them. That is, you'll be helping to protect public health and safety, and you'll save the money that would have otherwise been spent on the turkey. This has been a public service announcement from Tony Fauci. Oh, man. This, uh, between Chomsky and, and Fauci, you know, I, I I don't know which mask to wear on Halloween. Anyway, uh, next story. Is it going to actually have the, the, the turkeys vaccinated? There you, make sure your turkey's been vaccinated. Actually, seriously, folks, you know, my wife goes way out of the way to make sure she gets unvaccinated turkeys, meaning they haven't been shot up with the saline or whatever they those chemicals they shoot them up with. So we, we have to get ours from these organic Amish farmers or uh, some Muslim halal people in Chicago. But that's another story. Let's move on to a real horror story here in Lithuania. My goodness, all these these jokes about, you know, the, the vaxxed, you know, eating the unvaxxed and turning into undead zombies and such. Uh, well, it's almost that bad over in Lithuania. Uh, you know, Lithuania is the new Transylvania. Uh, you know, this, this story, I can't believe it, Mike. Um, this guy, you know, he writes, my wife and I have been suspended without pay for four weeks. Uh, they're not vexed. Uh, all jobs require the pass. Uh, they can't go to the supermarket. Uh, they can't go to the hardware store. They can't repair their house. They can't bring, even bring in a repairman because the repairman isn't allowed to go into their house. They can't go to the dentist, no matter how bad their toothache or whatever uh, serious work they need. They can't go to the library. They can't buy clothing for their children. So this is getting uh, a little extreme. I'm, I'm sure Noel, Noam Chomsky is like chuckling and rubbing his hands with glee, but everybody else should be horrified. Well, that's scarier than any horror movie I've seen on Halloween shows on, on TV. Uh, you, know, you, you can't go to the grocery store, and just like in Germany. Uh, uh, you can't go here. You can't go there. You can't get anything fixed. You, it, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I just went out the other day and had my vacuum cleaner repaired and got it back and uh, uh, didn't have an issue. Uh, but uh, apparently in uh, this godforsaken country, uh, I would have. I couldn't take it out. I couldn't get it back. They couldn't let me into the shop. Well, I guess we should all boycott Lithuania. Uh, that'll teach them. Uh, actually, I was probably not going to Lithuania anyway, but now I'm really not going to Lithuania. Uh, I guess, you know, this is a worldwide problem. So we need this, this worldwide Freedom Day thing and these worldwide demonstrations to push back. And maybe, you know, even if, um, it's not so bad where you are, like where I am here in rural Wisconsin, it's really not so bad. Uh, but, you know, I better get out there and do something or people in other places like these poor folks in Lithuania are going to suffer. You know, we should all be, uh, getting out there and uh, trying to stop this. And also it could, it could happen here. You know, Chomsky could be appointed the uh, vaccine yeah. zombies are or something. And, uh, and we could be living in our own Lithuania, no matter where we are. Anyway, uh, next story, uh, Fauci, uh, it turns out, uh, did he chew the heads off puppies? No, he hired insects to do the job. What a nice guy. Uh, so much for the friendly Dr. Marcus Welby image. He's been projecting. <laughs> Well, what you got there is basically America is going to the dogs with the head dog uh, wearing a white lab coat and pretending to be a scientist. Uh, and it, it's amazing that uh, these these politicians, these wonderful legislators we have, uh, they're upset about the dogs in Morocco, uh, but don't uh, give a hoot about so, Tunisia. Don't don't insult Morocco. I, I love I love Morocco. <laughs> But they don't care about their own people here or people anywhere else in the world. I mean, it's just absolutely astonishing. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, it's it's always been kind of a, a cliche that if you want to tarnish somebody's public image, you know, show that they're they're uh, vicious and mean uh, people who torture animals, especially household pets. Um, and that's certainly working here in spades with with, with uh, Fauci. But you know, hey, you got to trust the science to torture helpless animals, right? I mean, this scientific ideology that we have now, you know, like people have, people today look back at the Inquisition and say, how could those Catholics in Spain have tortured all these witches, these poor women who were just curing people with herbs and they tortured them and burned them to death? Well, today our dominant religion of our elites is this kind of scientism and you know, it's a spinoff on secular humanism and materialism and and so in the name of science you know rather than you know burning uh, women to death we're uh, torturing animals to death 
but someday maybe people will look back on this and say that uh, this practice of they, and this is very common in science. Like when I I took uh, psychology from a guy who was the uh, Stephen Suomi was his name, and he had worked with Harry Har- Harlow, who had tortured baby monkeys for his grant money. And I think uh, I think Stephen Suomi was still doing stuff like that, and they still had these monkey labs at the University of Wisconsin where they were doing terrible things to monkeys. Ninety nine point nine percent of that stuff is utterly unnecessary. It's like some kind of coming of age ritual where the scientists prove that they're real scientists by torturing helpless animals. And uh, so, <coughs> seriously, this really is uh, unpleasant. Um, and speaking of unpleasant, what are we going to do about these unpleasant things like Tony Fauci uh, sending insects to chew the heads off puppies? Well, we will not comply. <laughs> we will protest. Kat uh, McGuire, our false flag weekly news colleague, along with Black Lives Matter, uh, <coughs> has been very active in New York. Here's the first uh, Escape from New York story. A huge protest against de Blasio forcing the city workforce to get vaccinated. And then in the next slide, uh, the big Kyrie Irving protest at the Brooklyn Nets home opener. And that was co-organized by Kat or her group and BLM. So New York is pretty happening right now, Mike. Maybe you should take the train up there, join one of these demonstrations. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, amazing. Uh, they've got 5,000 people to march march across the Brooklyn Bridge. And I know people who did travel to New York and uh, they went up for a vacation and visit relatives and they had to produce their vax papers everywhere they went. And it was outrageous. I suppose pretty soon you're going to have to produce a vax paper to march in an anti-vax protest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So let's move on to our Trump effect stories. And the first Trump effect story is that 60% of Republicans, and it's women more than men, 66% of Republican women and 50, 51% of the men think the election should be overturned. And uh, this is taken to be a very, very alarming news. So how alarmed are you, Mike? And not at all. Uh, I, I think the entire election was questionable with the Democrat cheek of the malodorous American uh, behind suing in Texas, in Montana, and in uh, Wisconsin, and in Pennsylvania to have the Green Party removed from the ballot. And uh, who knows uh, what was done under the table if that was done so openly. Uh, so I, I think it's a questionable election. I would vote for a do-over, uh, but I think given the uh, the hysteria that they whipped up against Trump in the news media, uh, I don't think he has a, a, a the slightest chance of ever coming back. Hmm. I'm not so sure because if things keep going to the dogs, as it were, who knows what could happen uh, in the, the next uh, couple of elections. But you're right. There certainly has been a lot of hysteria whipped up. And in the next story, we see that <clears throat> some of that hysteria might have been whipped up in dubious and devious ways. Um, Ray Epps is the name of this mysterious character who was photographed in many, many, many uh, spots during the uh, January 6th Capitol events. And the story says that, quote, Ray Epps appears to have worked alongside several individuals many of them suspiciously unindicted, to carry out a breach of the police barricades that induced a subsequent flood of unsuspecting MAGA protesters to unwittingly trespass on capital-restricted grounds and place themselves in legal jeopardy. So who is this Ray Epps guy? Well, everybody, his his picture's all over the place, and yet he's never been uh, indicted. The FBI put him on the list at one point and then quickly took him off. And so... Thomas uh, Massey uh, of Kentucky has been questioning Garland uh, on the Hill about this, and Garland has been uh, kind of sputtering and muttering and looking away. Uh, Bottom line here is it looks more and more uh, like a slam dunk case that this January 6th thing was basically a false flag where people like Epps and other FBI uh, provocateurs managed to create the breach of the Capitol uh, 10 minutes before Trump's speech was even over so that once the Trump people got to the Capitol, it was already the barricades were down and people were in there and going in. And so there actually this event was probably created by the FBI. And we've seen that the FBI has created basically all uh, 700 or so of 
the alleged domestic terror events in the United States since 9-11. In every case, it's the FBI that brainwashes some gullible uh, Muslim teenager into saying something stupid on tape, and then that teenager gets locked up for life as a terrorist. Well, it looks like something like that, except on a bigger scale, may have been organized on January 6th. Well, that's a terrible thing to say about the Fascist Bureau of Intimidation, whose motto supposedly is fidelity, bravery, and integrity. Uh, they're a bunch of dirt balls, uh, as you've pointed out. Uh, in fact, one of them sued me uh, and refused to tell the court where he worked, what he did, or what his security clearance was that he was afraid of losing. Uh, and the, the wonderful judge wouldn't question the guy and wouldn't uh, demand answers. So I, I think that uh, oh, uh, these, these uh, octopuses or slime ball, like slime balls can't be an octopus, I guess. These creatures with their tentacles uh, managed to get their claws and their suckers everywhere and uh, twist reality out of all proportion. Yeah, so this is a, a very interesting thing. And, and Tucker Carlson is coming out with some film, a false flag film, that goes into the war on terror being based on a false flag and then morphing into the war on domestic terror, meaning by conservatives and pro-Trump people. Uh, so we're actually going to see the mainstream media move in a little bit to uh, say some things that they don't usually say, and it could get interesting. Uh and there's more, though, to this story. Is Was January 6th just a, an anti-Trump conspiracy by anti-Trump deep state people uh, working through the FBI to create this breach at the Capitol that was used to smear Trump supporters? Or was there a Trump conspiracy, too, to keep Trump in office? Well, of course there was. And so, but well, well, how did that work? Who was in it? And how were they going to keep Trump in office? Well, the, obviously, they wanted Pence to send the election to the state houses. Um, and then in terms of this January 6th protest, here's a Rolling Stone story uh, showing that a number of pro-Trump, pro-Trump, pro-Trump Congress critters uh, were working with the protest organizers uh, and that supposedly Representative Gosar actually dangled the possibility of a blanket pardon in front of people who were organizing this demonstration. Um, however, this particular article doesn't to my mind, really make a very good case that these people organizing the pro-Trump demonstration at the Capitol on January 6th ever intended to bust into the Capitol and raise hell and become uh, a, the next uh, Al-Qaeda. Uh, so, sure, they, I think this was a deep state spy versus spy Mad Magazine type of thing where you had people on both sides plotting their little plots. Um, but the people who organized the breach of the Capitol, it looks to me, were probably the anti-Trump side. Uh, what do you think, Mike? I think that's right. And I, I, I find it hard to believe, as Rolling Stone seems to make out, that uh, uh, these people were, had taken over uh, the Willard Hotel and were sitting there planning and plotting uh, uh, for action long before Trump had finished speaking and at least half an hour before the folks marched the, the mile from the White House to the uh, the Capitol building. And, and certainly I know one committed leftist whom we both know, uh, who wrote an article about this, uh, saying it was basically largely peaceful and that she had not been induced to come here uh, as a result of any kind of organization at the Willard Hotel or uh, um, any congressional members or White House staff. She came because she was a committed leftist and didn't trust the election. So I think the conspiracy on the pro-Trump side was to get a big protest going in D.C., and then use that to kind of have a public relations ease push so that the people in Congress and ideally Mike Pence would go through these legal channels, uh, these dubiously constitutional channels, to try to keep Trump in office. That was their conspiracy. But I think on the other side, somebody had the bright idea of smearing them by mm. uh, getting them into the Capitol, raising hell and creating this illusion of a huge domestic terrorist threat. So that's that's my analysis, and uh, I guess everybody has theirs. Um, but speaking of, of the right wing terrorist threat, our you know Republicans and conservatives, the uh, new Al Qaeda. Well, uh, Garland thinks so. Merrick Garland was the guy who orchestrated the Oklahoma City bombing cover up, meaning he was in bed with the perpetrators of that false flag event. It was the FBI uh, and its friends, or the criminal element of the FBI, I should say, blew up that building and murdered all those people, including all those kids. The FBI, or the criminal element thereof, also murdered witnesses. Uh, Trentadue uh, was murdered in federal prison. Uh, these FBI guys just 
flash their get into prison free and then get out free and anonymously cards. And they went in there and tortured this guy to death because he was, they mistook his identity. They thought he was somebody who knew too much about the FBI blowing up the Oklahoma City federal building. Uh, so Garland is part of that uh, group that, that did that horrific crime. And it's not surprising that they're bringing him on now because he's an expert on so-called right-wing terrorism, on demonizing uh, patriots and militia members. And that's what he's doing. And Congress or parts of Congress are pushing back against him as, as he tries to say that these angry parents at school board meetings are the new Al-Qaeda. Well, I tell you, uh, Garland, who, according to a journalist I know, has a real name of Garfinkel, uh, is uh, stepping in some deep doo-doo. Was was he part of Simon and Garfinkel? (laughs) I don't know. I Certainly, he can't sing, and if he would, uh, people might die from the sound of the truth coming out. Uh, uh, I think we should hold his feet to the fire and make him sing. (laughs) Uh, he's the guy uh, that uh, apparently backs these crazies uh, in, in Loudoun County, Virginia, an exurb of D.C. Uh, they're trying to impose uh, 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 critical race theory and uh, issues about uh, the uh, need to support the LBGTQ plus the rest of the alphabet people in doing whatever they want to do in whatever toilet they choose. Uh, but unfortunately... Uh, They've had news articles about these people that they so love uh, and people are protesting against raping girls in the girls' bathroom because he's a six-foot-tall sucker built like a football player wearing a dress, and he chooses to be a woman. Uh, but uh, well, wait, you, you, know, you think parents should get upset about that at school board meetings? They are doing that, and they, they keep arresting them. And uh, I just saw something on TV last night that said that the, the chief of police is, is not going to assign – uh, his policeman to protect the uh, uh, the Loudoun County School Board people, uh, he thinks is too dangerous for his officers. So Garland uh, is deploring the rising tide of violence targeting public figures from teachers and election administrators to members of Congress and the media. And I agree with him. I deplore that violence, too. Um, it's a terrible problem. It's actually the billionaires and deep state operatives who ought to be targeted. Oops, I didn't say that, did I? Okay, moving on to the conspiracy theory news. Uh, speaking of people who are in, inciting against the deep state, uh, I mean, seriously, apparently, not just jokingly like I do, uh, Right. I'm, I'm just joking, you two. Uh, <laughs> Remy Daillé, uh, this French uh, conspirationist, uh, that means conspiracy theorist, uh, is well known in this kind of QAnon related movement over in France. But that, you know, just because the Q people are crazy doesn't mean that they're not right about some of those things, such as the elite uh, satanic pedophile networks. So Daillé is accused now of, quote unquote, using encrypted messaging to build a vast network of conspiracy theorists. He allegedly recruited soldiers for an attempt to seize the presidential palace in Paris. And there are now 12 suspects uh, imprisoned for plotting this series of attacks against COVID-19 vaccine centers, a Masonic lodge, uh, and journalists and prominent people. So, you know, I think we need to send Merrick Garland over to France to deal with this. (laughs) Well, I tell you, he's got the right idea. If France is afflicted with the cookie monster, Macaron, or Macron, I guess you call him, uh, and somehow they seem to have forgotten all about the, the yellow vest crowds that were out every week uh, marching in the streets of Paris and other towns throughout the country uh, protesting an out-of-control government. So, uh, you know, he, he's not that much of a conspiracist. Yeah, so this this just goes to show how much trouble you can get yourself into a, a, if you're a professional conspiracy theorist. I mean, I thought I was doing a pretty good job of that, but this guy <laughs> is so light years ahead of me. I guess the you know it's that French uh, Gallic genius or something. So stay tuned on this. And of course, the mainstream stories on him may very well be really overblown and hyperbolic. I mean, the the truth about what he was doing may not be quite as sexy as what this story is suggesting, but still, it's a very interesting situation. And you know, I, I love some of these French dissidents. I like. Alain Saval, even though I don't really agree with him on certain things, uh, and uh, Laurent Guillenot, who's going to be on our, our False Flags uh, seminar tomorrow. Uh, there's some really uh, smart people uh, over there in France, wonderful conspirationista. So I, I don't know about this guy. I'll have to ask uh, Laurent about, about him. But uh, So speaking of conspiracy theories, let's go from the conspiracy theories in France over to the Guardian in Britain, or rather the MI6 Guardian, some call it. Uh, which is now trying to convince us 
that the conspiracy theorists are just like people who believe in witchcraft. That is the reason that we don't like Bill Gates uh, and Tony Fauci is because we think they're witches. Um, so uh, I guess we've never decided to trust the psyops. I mean, to trust the science and come into the modern age. We're all a bunch of medieval uh, witch hunters. Um, hmm. I don't know. It seems to me that Chomskyites and stuff were witch hunting. The anti-vaxxers are really the witch hunters here. So who who's the witch and who's the witch hunter here, Mike? Well, I, I think that the the witches are the people who have these rotten pumpkins they want to throw at the witch hunters. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, claiming all this is a fairy tale is, is, is beyond belief. And I mean, I've read some pretty horrible and scary fairy tales, uh, but this true stuff is, is even scarier. So this is just propaganda trying to uh, discredit so-called conspiracy theorists, uh, but they try to make it sound very authoritative by saying these researchers are using artificial intelligence and the study of witchcraft folklore to prove that it's all a big, uh, crazy folkloric uh, rumor, legend, conspiracy theory problem. It has nothing to do with the conspiracy theorists ever actually being right about anything. Uh, you know, I, I've actually studied folklore myself. My, that's my PhD minor. And I did write an article about 9-11 uh, from a folklorist perspective. And one of the things that you learn if you study real folklore, like I did with Jim Leary at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, uh, is that the f- people passing around folklore are quite often right. And the authorities and the official discourse is quite often wrong. The classic example of that is workplace folklore. If you want to know how a company operates in reality, as opposed to the manual, you don't read the manual, you go to the water cooler. Mm-hmm. Or better yet, you find the people in an even more informal situation at a party, and then you're going to get the truth about what's really going on in that company. Uh, the same is true everywhere. Unofficial discourse, the kind of discourse that's classified as folklore by the academy, often, and not more or more often than not contains a lot more truth than official discourse. Official discourse is basically about covering things up for the benefit of the powerful. So yeah, we can use a folklorist perspective to analyze these things, but not the one that the guardian is pushing at us. You mean there isn't a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and that the, the leprechauns won't be able to give you wishes and, and uh, buckets of money. Well, actually, if we can vaccinate every single human being on Earth and most of the animals as well, and certainly all of the zoo animals, then we can get to that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and give everybody as much money as they want and live happily ever after the end. Okay, uh, let's move on to assassination news. Uh, the rumors, legends, and conspiracy theories about assassinations. Oh, wait a minute. Before we get there, our last conspiracy theory story, uh, the so-called 9-11 conspiracy theorists everybody knows were right. Everybody knows who, who's actually studied the issue. And here's Ellen Sabrowski, former head of strategic studies at the U.S. Army War College, telling us why the 9-11 truth movement failed. Now, I'm not sure it completely failed as much as he thinks it did, uh, I think it succeeded in taking 9-11, the official story of 9-11, and demoting it from a sacred narrative, what folklorists call a myth, that is a sacred story that everybody has to believe. Nobody's allowed to not believe it. Anybody who doesn't believe it is drummed out of the group immediately. So there's total unanimity in accepting the sacred story, right? 9-11 isn't that way anymore, thanks to the truth movement. It's now what we would call a legend. A legend is a story of an extraordinary event that is hotly disputed or that the whole point of the story is, what's the real truth about this? And that's what 9-11 is now, thanks to the truth movement. So we've utterly changed the public discourse about 9-11. Nobody trusts authority anymore. And that's why somebody like Trump could get elected by bashing authority and bashing the media. So we changed the world, maybe not entirely for the better. And I don't think Alan sees that in this piece, but he's certainly right that we didn't uh, seize political and military power. And maybe we should have. Well, the the article is is pretty good, uh, but he, he does point out that uh, these people came up with their their convincing narrative. Uh, they used the power of the the mass media to spread it. Uh, they had a lot of money behind them, and uh, uh, they were able to bring their battles to the right places. Whereas everybody was running off uh, in all directions, uh, disputing the uh, the tales the American government had about his own conspiracy theory. Uh, about who did what, when, and why. 
uh, and uh, they never point, they never joined together. They never fought as a uh, coherent, uh, unified entity, and that's the the big sadness there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was he was right about that critique that there's way too much infighting in the 9/11 Truth Movement. People who think it's more important to fight with somebody else in the Truth Movement about you know what really happened at the Pentagon yeah. or were there planes or no planes at the Trade Center or was it nanothermite or nukes? Um, all of that uh, infighting was highly unproductive, and that all should have been set aside as we went after the bad guys. No point fighting anybody but the bad guys. Uh, so yeah, he's he's right about that, and he's also right that we probably, in retrospect, rather than just taking our case to the American people in this naive way, we should have targeted and focused uh, on the military because the there are a lot of serious military guys like Alan Zabrowski who swore an oath to the Constitution. And if we convince them uh, that this, this is the way it went down on 9-11 and you have the power to do something about it, they might have done something about it. But uh, it may be a little late for that now, but I think this this world that has been created both by the 9-11 perpetrators and then by the truth movement in response, there's still all kinds of unfinished possibilities out there, and we'll end up seeing where it all goes. Uh, meanwhile, though, uh, moving over to the political assassinations stories, and again, uh, the unofficial discourse on assassinations is far more truthful than the official discourse. Uh, this story uh, from Politico, uh, was unusually sympathetic to the uh, assassination skeptics or truth seekers. Uh, it pointed out that JFK's nephews, uh, Rhode Island Representative Patrick Kennedy, and of course RFK Jr., the guy I voted for for president, uh, are calling this an outrage that Biden has once again delayed the release of 15,000 CIA and FBI records pertaining to the JFK assassination. Legislation mandates that that all be released, should have been released a long time ago. What the heck are they still hiding? Well, the the real truth that the American government was behind it, most probably the Central Intelligence Agency. I mean, Trump was going to uh, uh, let the records loose four years ago, and it never happened. Uh, The current story uh, now is, oh, well, the the virus is so... uh, Devastated our researchers and reviewers uh, and uh, uh, flunkies in the uh, National Archives that we can't possibly uh, let these things loose in time uh, as the law requires. We need special consideration to black out more documents, I would assume. Uh, the whole thing is, is questionable. Uh, this happened how many years ago? Is It's, uh, what, uh, 1963, 64, something like that? Uh, that's a long time ago. What are they hiding? And, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, they go on and on and on. They're, they're, I don't know, there's a whole bookshelves written about this. And why don't we let the real documents out so we can see who is right and who is wrong and what really happened? Well, the excuse is national security. And I suppose from their perspective, it would harm American national security to show that the CIA uh, worked with other forces in organized crime and from Israel to murder the president of the United States. Uh, that would really mess with the CIA's public image and its ability to get things done. It might even mess with its very existence. And so for these people who are committed to the three-letter agencies, uh, yeah, they think it's a threat to national security. I don't really blame them. Well, yeah, I blame them. <laughs> for, but uh, from their perspective, they don't want the truth to come out. Of course not. And they probably want the truth about the other political assassinations to come out either. Uh, let's just go over a couple of them. Uh, we passed the anniversary of the 2002 Senator Paul Wellstone assassination uh, just this week. He was murdered alongside his wife, his daughter, and his entire campaign staff in a rigged plane crash. Uh, another outrage. This was one of the events that kind of nudged me in the direction that I've gone since. Uh, I was really pissed off when this happened. And then when the media wouldn't investigate, even his family, the remaining family that didn't go down with him, uh, was uh, too timid to point the finger at the obvious suspect, Dick Cheney, who had delivered a very mafia-style threat uh, less than a week before Wellstone's plane went down. And then Cheney went and I think he I think he crashed the funeral or tried to. And nobody really spoke up. And, and that uh, that upset me very much at the time. So reading this article just reminded me of this. It's so obvious that they killed Wellstone because he was he was sniffing out 9-11 truth. He was standing up very boldly against the impending war in Iraq and taking him out 
uh, had immense repercussions by delivering the Senate to Cheney's hand-picked Republicans, uh, including the hand-picked candidate from Minnesota, Norm Coleman. So this this was a real outrage. Yeah, the the article itself comes from Lou Wolf's uh, Covert Action Quarterly, and uh, I your, your favorite I, guy. <laughs> yeah, I've been associated with that lot, and 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 uh, fled from them from the way they were acting and treating this Iranian guy. Uh, plus a, a co-editor who uh, was sued by uh, Millionaire Wolf uh, because uh, his wife wasn't being paid uh, for her uh, work for the magazine. But by and large, the uh, the basics of it are, are entirely true, that Wellstone was critical of the establishment. He asked awkward questions. Uh, and that, indeed, um, uh, there was some real strange stuff going on about the plane when it was landing. It was in good shape. The the, the uh, turboprops were going, uh, and somehow it's it's drifted away from its uh, landing path, corkscrewed out, and went straight into the ground. And uh, the FBI, the folks with the uh, uh, fidelity, bravery, and integrity, uh, covered up and then trotted uh, evidence away from the crash site. So nobody knows anything anymore except it was mighty mighty strange. It was. And again, it's just one in a long series of American political assassinations. And one of the uh, seminal ones of the post-World War II era was the assassination of Secretary of Defense James Forrestal, a a very strong opponent of the creation of the State of Israel. Uh, That assassination happened May 22, 1949. He plunged to his death from a 16th floor window in Bethesda Naval Hospital, if you don't want to read about this in Covert Operations Quarterly, because uh, you don't like Lou Wolf, uh, you can always read D.C. Dave Martin's book, The Assassination of James Forrestal. Uh, very interesting stuff. Um, Israel looks like it was in the thick of it, but there may have been other issues as well. What do you think, Mike? Well, I, I think that uh, the choices are he fell, jumped, or was pushed. And uh, I, I think falling is rather difficult to uh, pull the window open, uh, tie a, a bathrobe uh uh, around your neck and jump out the window. I, I think that's that's uh, more than a little fantastic, and we get back into witchcraft again. Uh, but uh, I, I think that uh, he was inconvenient, and uh, the trick, of course, is to find who was the most inconvenienced uh, of his act by his activities, and start looking for them. Uh, I've run into a guy at the National Press Club who had a book out. Uh, who went into great detail, he was telling me, about the, the strange uh, uh, and contradictory uh, story about how he died. So I, I think this is something that needs further investigation. Well, American foreign policy is partly run through political assassination, and it's usually the belligerent hawks and the pro-Israel fanatics who are overlapping categories who are behind these killings and so many other misdeeds and so the extreme radical uh, hawks these days are banging the drums for war with China, the rising number two power that is challenging the number one power, the gangster-controlled uh, U- USA for global hegemony. Uh, well, over in China, uh, apparently they're telling us by the by way of Hugh Zijin, who's the editor in chief of the Global Times, which is the official Chinese daily, that China quote this is a t- tweet from him uh, quote. China won't engage in a nuclear arms race with the U.S. We think it's stupid. Um, We will make sure we have full capability to destroy the U.S. once, uh, even though uh, the U.S. can destroy us ten times. So apparently those crazy Chinese think that they can only destroy the U.S. once, and if we destroy them ten times, we won't have won. What's wrong with those people? Well, they just don't uh, look at reality, I think. I mean, if uh, if the virus can destroy the United States and shut down the economy uh, and uh, kill thousands of people and put uh, everyone in fear of their life, uh, imagine what a couple of nukes could do. I mean, the, the Chinese have, what, 200, 300, 400 of the things? Uh, how many good-sized bombs? Well, thousands, Mike. We, we can bounce their rubble, you know, 10 <laughs> times or more. Uh, yeah, but they, they, won't they, they can't even bounce off. their rubble once. Yeah, I mean, you, you have... Uh, uh, an electromagnetic, electromagnetic uh, pulse that can wipe out any kind of telecommunications and car uh, electronics and uh, computers and uh, telephones and everything else. So, uh, who needs all well, that stuff? How many bombs do you need? You don't need a thousand of them. Uh, you just need a couple. 
Yeah, you save a lot of money that way too. You know, maybe the Chinese are eating our lunch because instead of you know building uh, ten times overkill, they're putting their money in productive investments and trading with other countries. Uh, maybe that's why they're the rising number one power, and maybe our blowing all this money on nuclear overkill is part of the reason that we're the falling, uh, de- declining power. But uh, more war on China news. Uh, how about Taiwan, the flashpoint? This is where ah. it all gets started. Um, and the, we just keep tweaking the Chinese noses here and provoking them. And, you know, uh, come on, you want to fight? You want to fight? It's like the bully going after the kid on the schoolyard grounds. Now, Blinken is saying he wants uh, he wants Taiwan in the United Nations. Like, this is insane. I mean, the U.S. is committed to a one China policy, isn't it? Uh, no, you know, our, this is just schoolyard bullying, you know, trying to get the Chinese to do something stupid. Well, the Taiwan, the Republic of China, and the mainland, the People's Republic of China, all agree there is only one China. Uh, but what Biden and, and Trump have been doing uh, is kind of like uh, Herbert Hoover's description of American policy towards Japan in the 1930s. It's like sticking pins in a rattlesnake. Uh, so uh, you uh, committing the United States to defend a small island off the uh the coast of China, which is really part of China and has been part of China for millennia. I mean, this is absolute nonsense. Well, one theory is that what Blinken is doing here is kind of like, you know, what these guys did, the FBI infiltrators did with the January 6th event, which is based on that old saying that the best way to train a dog not to chase cars is to let him catch one. So you let the January 6th protesters catch the dog by you know making sure they go into that capital and make themselves look like terrorists. And you could catch, you know, let China catch its dog by successfully invading Taiwan, which it could do. It would win a war uh, for Taiwan. It would get Taiwan. But there might be a lot of destruction in the meantime. And if the U.S. didn't defend Taiwan, but just screamed, oh, those terrible, bad Chinese bullies, look at how terrible they are. Look what they just did. They killed all these people. They're aggressors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the U.S. could use that in the same way that they used the January 6th events as a huge uh, public relations stunt to smear China and to pressure all kinds of countries, especially the more developed ones, to start cutting off ties and economic relations with China. And they can use this to contain China in the larger geostrategic picture. So I think that's what's going on, frankly. Uh, although it's possible there are some crazies in the U.S. military who would actually like to pick a big fight with China while we still have a stronger military. Ultimately, that always ends with us bouncing their rubble 10 times. They just turn our country into rubble and don't bounce it. And then I guess we can claim victory. Uh, it doesn't, that doesn't work too well. But anyway, let's, let's hope this uh, China situation stays on the back burner. And meanwhile, uh, let's look at the other uh, horrific uh, apocalyptic threats for Halloween scare stories. Uh, there's Los Angeles after the sea level has risen uh, I think that's the three degree rise Celsius. So uh, here you can look at charts showing what these places look like after three degrees versus 1.5 degrees, which is the Paris Agreement target. And uh, I guess a lot of people have beachfront property if it goes up three degrees. Uh, Mike, are you going to be on beachfront property? No, I'm not. I had beachfront property in Massachusetts at one time. Uh, but uh, here in, in, in California, I mean, they're going to have to amend the song Hey, 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 whole place shaking away. Them as can't swim, better sing the hymn. So it's not going to fall into the sea from an earthquake. The the sea will flood uh, California, which may be a good thing. And so whose fault is it that the earth is catching a fever? Um, maybe it's it's a new virus uh, that's causing the earth to, to get hot and, and to sweat. And all of this, uh, this salty water is, is flooding all over its body. Uh, whose fault is that? It's the people using Bitcoin. In the next slide, we see that each Bitcoin transaction is costing $100 worth of electricity. So, And, of course, electricity is generated largely but not entirely with fossil fuel, and that's the cause of global warming. So it's the people using Bitcoin who are going to be drowning all those poor suckers in coastal cities. Uh, I hope I'm being a little hyperbolic here. Well, I always thought the uh, the global warming came from the hot air coming from all the politicians. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Uh, and I know we have climate change skeptics who watch this show. I think a slight majority of my audience consists of climate change skeptics. So uh, I guess, yeah, we'll find out one way or another. I'm, I'm not on board with that. 
but I try to keep an open mind and I've, I've read at least one really good book trying to make a case against the climate change consensus. So we don't have time to cover that now. So instead we'll move on to the, the woke birds. Uh, how about the woke birds over at the, uh, the organization that was formerly known as the Audubon Society? Uh, they're now changing the name to the Adolf Hitler Memorial Birdwatching Society. <laughs> <laughs> now seriously, Audubon, like, <laughs> Audubon was a scientific racist, like so many people of his era. And so basically everybody from that era that ever spoke about any of those things has to be erased from history. Even Audubon? I don't know. Is, is this going too far? It sure is, but that's typical of this cancel culture movement we've got going. And then people are saying, well, gee, in a hundred years, what are they going to say about what we're doing now? Uh, so uh, this business of uh, uh, erasing people and uh, wiping out history. I mean, why is George Washington, the slaveholder, still on the $1 bill? Well, maybe it'll be the billionaires who have to be erased from everything someday when, when Earth is totally ruined and we realize that it was the fault of the billionaire Western oligarchy, then all of those people will have to get erased. So who'll be erased? Well, Pierre Omidyar might be one of them. He's the billionaire who was uh, the founder of the uh, Intercept. And Glenn Grewal here is taking it to his old boss, uh, pointing out that this fake Facebook whistleblower who's part of a public relations operation to try to force Facebook to censor things even more than they do now. I mean, this is, this is all a, a crock. And I think if Omidyar ever ends up on the $10,000 bill, which will probably buy you a cup of coffee a hundred years from now, uh, they're going to have to take him off it. Well, I, Wayne Madsen, the journalist wrote, I guess, seven years or so ago now, a couple of articles about Omidyar and how he worked with the national security agency uh, to, um, uh, strike out and censor, uh, things that were being released by, um, the Snowden fellow, uh, and, uh, uh, he seemed to think that Omidyar had some unsavory connections due to his money and due yeah, to his, his CIA. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so what, here's an unsavory CIA connected billionaire pretending to support alternative media. I don't think I see him on my list of false flag weekly news contributors. Uh, speaking <laughs> no. of which guys, now since he's not contributing, you guys need to if you're watching this. Uh, okay. Let's, let's go into some other evil billionaires. Donald Trump for one. Um, he's threatening to flee the country if Senator Ron Wyden's capital gains tax rate, uh, you know, 24% tax rate on assets like stocks and bonds that the billionaires have. It's going to be targeting billionaires. And, of course, it doesn't have a chance, snowball's proverbial chance in hell because of that, that Trump is whining and crying and screaming he's going to leave the country if they try to tax him. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't mind that much. I mean, if he wants to run, run for president from Antarctica, with Hitler as his VP candidate, who knows? I might even vote for him as a prank. <laughs> so, so do you, what, 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 how about Trump fleeing the country, Mike? Does that prospect appeal to you? Um, I don't know. If he, he was out of the country, he'd still be able to use the Internet uh, and his connections in the media and his money to uh, uh, put his ideas out there. Uh, uh, but I do like his criticism of the, uh, the tax plan. I, I think that what you can do with it is uh, not so much soak it to the billionaires, but to prevent them from passing their money down to the next generation tax-free. Uh, you've got the step-up in value that occurs when somebody dies, that their $100,000 house that they bought 20 years ago is now worth half a million dollars. Well, uh, tax people on the capital gains of the 400000 or put it to a level of uh, people making more than such and such amount a year. Uh, they don't have any... Uh, uh, step up in value for their property or their stocks or their bonds and that their heirs pay the uh, the full capital gains price or tax. So I, I think that's a, a way of uh, getting money for the treasury and taking care of the, the fat cats. Well, that's a reasonable proposal. It's too reasonable for me. I'm, I'm with Bernie Sanders or even more so thinking, I don't think we even need billionaires, uh, especially billionaires like Jeffrey Epstein. And the latest Jeffrey Epstein news is, uh, well, let me just read this news story. A Georgia man has filed a lawsuit against Jeffrey Epstein's estate, claiming the late sex trafficker sold him a Gulfstream jet in the weeks before his 2019 arrest without disclosing that the aircraft didn't come fully equipped with underage girls. I mean, I mean, didn't, <laughs> was used in a criminal enterprise. This is the actual story. Um, so, so much for, uh, the guy who tried to buy the Lolita Express. Well, I, I had trouble reading that, and I, I think I came down to the, the view that 
he's mad as hell because what he bought uh, was one value. And when the word got out that what Epstein had done with the, the jet and the, the rest of the company, uh, lowered the value of what he had bought substantially. So I, I guess he had a, a paper loss of a, a quite substantial amount. And that's got what's got him pissed off. Okay. Well, you know, speaking of patrolling the skies uh, for people trying to fly around on the Lolita Express, how about the story about the UFOs that have been uh, filmed uh, flying alongside the Lolita Express uh, with cameras? Point- no, no, flying alongside nuclear missiles and beaming space rays at them. Uh, Ex-U.S. Air Force First Lieutenant Robert Jacobs says he saw a UFO firing four beams of light at a nuclear missile undergoing testing. Um, and then later he was debriefed and threatened to keep his mouth shut by the men in gray, that is, uh, some CIA guys in gray suits. I guess this didn't rise to the level of requiring the services of the men in black. So now four former U.S. Army or Air Force captains are calling for Congress to investigate and hold hearings into these multiple reports that UFOs have disabled nucle- nuclear weapons on a great many occasions. Well, if they're messing with the Lolita Express and disabling nuclear weapons, they must be the good guys, right? Well, exactly. Uh, in fact, this particular story that's up there now uh, turned up on one of the many uh, streaming services uh, programs about UFOs and uh, had the, um, uh, the basis of the story right then and there. Uh, and I've seen articles elsewhere uh, about uh, Montana, where they have a whole series of Minuteman missiles buried uh, under the uh, the state, and uh, flying saucers have flown over and either uh, disabled them entirely or started to uh, a countdown sequence, which scared the living hell out of the uh, uh, the folks in the, uh, the missile base. So the question is, will we ever get full disclosure? Not these little tantalizing New York Times stories basically telling us, without fully telling us that this stuff is real, when are we going to get the landing on the White House lawn, and will False Flag Weekly News still be there to cover it? Well, uh, (laughs) if you keep contributing to our fundraisers, inshallah, we very well may be. Uh, So thank you so much, uh, J. Michael Springman. It's always fun to show with you, J. Mike. Fantastic. All right. Thanks to all of our uh, viewers and supporters. Uh, God willing, see you all next week. Okay. Ma salama.